Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast Hero Nation President's Day Edition. Donnie had Uncharted this weekend, and we're here with the film's director, Ruben Fleischer, who's also been behind the success of the studio's Venom and Zombieland franchises. So, you've got Tom, you've got Mark, you've got a buddy movie, you've got an adventure. Tell us about the process of bringing this movie to life. I mean, truly, what more could you ask for? Well, kind of not um, much more, to be honest. I mean, they have great chemistry, the two of them, so that works well. And you've got a real romp. So, you know, again, what more can you ask for? But I do want to ask, I do want to ask this, actually, because I know it's a big thing is, you know, that the adaption of, of video games to films has been a very rocky road over the past couple of decades. Some clearly very successful. Some, you know, we're going to see how Halo does when it, when it shows up as a TV series. But give us a sense, what were some of the challenges for you for bringing this one to the screen as a movie as opposed to a game? I think the trick of adapting any piece of material, that's especially those that are so beloved by its fan base, is wanting to respect the source material and the, what, what everybody loves about it originally, but then also at the same time have to figure out a way to make it work in our medium, which is a narrative feature film. Video games are at this point such immersive cinematic experiences. It's almost as if you're starring in your own movie when you play the Uncharted games. So it's pretty tricky to try and compete with that experience, um, providing a audience member a passive experience where they don't get to choose like if they want to go down that tunnel and explore that thing that in, in our movie they just have to sit and watch it. So um, we have to just make sure that it works the best it can as a traditional feature film. So Ruben, you're part of the Sony family. I mean, you, you fired off Venom for them and the Zombieland franchise. How did this opportunity come to you? I don't think I was the first director uh, in line for this film over the course of its 12 year development. Um, but there was a situation in which they needed somebody to uh, come aboard Uncharted. Um, and it just timed out perfectly because I had just completed Zombieland Double Tap and was honestly kind of happy to take a break and spend time with my family because I did Venom and Zombieland back to back with a week in between. Uh, so wow, I really? Been, yeah. So I had been a working. A week in between? Much, yeah. Like it, it was crazy. And so I was happy to just like uh, have a little breather. Um, Zombieland Double Tap came out in October um, of 2019. And then I got the call for this in January, basically January 1st, 2020. And mm -hmm. so um, it, I couldn't pass up the opportunity just because when I read the script, I was like, this is why as a young kid, I dream someday maybe I would be able to get to direct a movie. This was the type of movie that I dreamed I might direct, uh, you know, just a globe trotting, treasure hunting adventure. And well, so- Well, I, uh, I might add for our listeners, Ruben is a history major. I was, yes. yes, yes. Um, and so yeah, I've always had a passion for history. And in fact, that I think that was informed by our friend Indiana Jones, because when I went to college, I enrolled with the intention of being an archeology span major. Um, but that was not 
uh, it, it ended up migrating to being a history major. But yeah, I've always had such a passion for antiquity. And I, I do think that writers had something to do with that. And so being able to tell a story that is centered around, um, uh, you know, it's a myth that we created, but a 500 year old, a lost treasure, you know, and getting to shoot in ancient cathedrals in Spain and, you know, kind of explore the past via the film was for me an incredible experience. And I never shot a film internationally. So just even getting to work in Europe and have these incredible locations that you just, you know, there's no equivalent in America, just given the age of the place. Um, I, it was a great experience. Now for that, um, I, I want to just go back to something you, you talked about before, which is the very, very brief break you had between uh, your last two films, between Zombie, Zombieland, Double Dab, and Venom. What kind of, how do you do that as a filmmaker? I mean, I know that people, you know, projects move fast and then they move slow, et cetera, et cetera. But for you, was there overlap? Were you dealing with post-production stuff as you were making one movie and what have you? How did that work? Well, Zombieland, the sequel was something that we'd been wanting to do for a long time. And we were working on the script for, you know, a long time. Um, and it kind of finally got to a place that the actors were interested in being a part of it um, about the time that Venom was starting. So um, it kind of just worked out. Venom also, I should mention, was a really fast turnaround. Like it was less than a year from prep to release as I remember it. I mean, it was really, really fast mm -hmm. given how, how much VFX were involved. Do you think that was a good thing? Do you think that added momentum to the making of it? I like having a release date. I liked like Uncharted, you know, this has been two years in the making. And I guess it's inherent to, um, you know, VFX heavy movies, but ours was extended mainly because of the pandemic. It pushed our production for months and then the release. I think they were being cautious in setting a date so that they didn't they just were hoping that we would be in the clear, um, you know, when they set the release date. Uh, sadly, you know, it's still a reality that we all have to deal with, but they were, they were intentionally putting it out at, at a far distance with the hope that it would be better. Um, but yeah, I think that for me, I like to kind of have a target to work towards. And um, I think it does increase the energy and um, hopefully it just, you know, adds momentum to everything. Uncharted, you know, just this is an unprecedented time and an unprecedented situation. So it's tough to compare. Um, but I, I generally do like having a, you know, a, a tight deadline so that everyone's just focused and, and uh, committed to it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's next? I mean, are you... Are you planning a sequel? Are you are you contracted for a sequel? Um, what next is honestly a great question because similar to 
after Double Tap, you know, I so now I had those two movies back to back, and then I had two months off, and then I worked for two years straight. So I'm, I'm again hoping that I'll be able to just get to spend some time with my family, but um, I can't help but hope that we'll be doing a sequel. I think Sony is appropriately uh, superstitious and they don't plan things without knowing how things are gonna be received. And so I think that's actually a really practical approach to things. So if we do well this weekend, uh, hopefully there will be a sequel in the works, but um, we have not started working on it yet just due to not knowing what the audience will, will wanna see. Um, but I'd be thrilled to have the opportunity to make another one of these movies just because the, the experience of making this was pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I also do lots of television and I do lots of commercials and other things. So I, I'm always busy with something. We have an active production company with a show that's starting shooting next week. We have another show that's in post and we have plenty of things that we're hoping will get off the ground. So there's no shortage of, of things going on. It's just a I, I, if I were to make another year or two year long commitment to a feature film, uh, I, I'd want to hope that it's Uncharted 2 or at least something else that, you know, I'd be really passionate about. Well, you, of course, uh, you, of course, on the small screen have Stumptown and, and, and the upcoming White House Plumbers. But give us, I want to go back to you were talking earlier. We were talking earlier about you. And, and I, I hope you don't mind. I said that I made a it wasn't a joke, actually. It was, it was for, for real that you were a history major back in college. Um, you talked about that. You talked about the influence of Indiana Jones. What were some of the other films that you really find yourself, especially now you've made a couple of films? What are the films that really, uh, more than a couple, actually, clearly. Uh, what do you feel are the films that really influence you as a director and a filmmaker? It's really those classic 80s movies. I mean, I, I was... Those were that was the era that influenced me. I think the Amblin films, the George Lucas movies, uh, Robert Zemeckis certainly. Um, Back to the Future, I think, is a perfect film. I uh, I, I would say John Landis, um, Martin Brest. Uh, what Landis you know, film? I mean, you know, look because if well, as you think Back I, to the I, Future I, is a perfect I think film, the argument, I, I think Blues Brothers argument is a perfect film. Uh, that's my favorite. Uh, of his movies and one of my top five movies for sure. Um, but I think I'll, I'll just go on this spiel that I have, which is um, I think he's like probably the most unheralded filmmaker because he's made five of the greatest movies of all time. And he just doesn't get the praise in the same way that other people do. But if you think about from um, Blues Brothers to Animal House, uh, Trading Places, American Werewolf in London, and um, there's another Eddie Murphy movie that I'm forgetting that are coming five, you know, Coming to America, exactly, Coming to America. And then and then I also personally just love Kentucky Fried movies. So he's got five. Yeah, that's true, that is true actually. Like yeah. I think any of us would be happy to have any of those titles on our IMDb page. Oh, and um, by the way, might I add the Thriller video. Well, that's that's a great point because you could argue that's a that film. He, he's well, <laughs> he's responsible for the creation of a genre. I mean, Blues Brothers. You can see the antecedents of it in Blues Brothers because basically each of those vignettes is a music video in and of itself. Like Aretha Franklin singing "Respect" in a diner is 
as good as any music video I have ever seen. Totally. But then when you add Thriller and the cultural impact of it, I mean, he created a whole, he created MTV, you could argue. And he just, just does, I don't think he gets the praise he's de he deserves for the body of work that he, he's done. Well, we have to say, Ruben, 100% agree. Everyone who's listening, you should start right. Where is the honorary Oscar for John Landos? That's what Atlanta, that's what I want to see. An honorary <laughs> Oscar. He, I mean, there's a lot of those films, like Martin Brest is another one that he's certainly not a household name, but, you know, Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Runner are as good as any two movies I can think of. So there's there's just a lot of those 80s filmmakers that I have a real appreciation for and who, to answer your original question, have certainly influenced me greatly. Um, and, and, you know, that mix of comedy and action is kind of my, my uh, calling card. And it's certainly present in all, a lot of those films I referenced. I, I got to say, before we go, the opening of this movie. Is fantastic. Well, no, it's just, it's really, I've never seen it's, anything it's, like it's this It's basically before. our entire marketing campaign. So I don't know if we could say that it's a spoiler, because if you've looked on the internet or television anytime recently, you've probably seen it. But yeah, it was, uh, when I read that, I, I, I had no idea how to actually achieve it. Um, the good thing is that it's based on an actual sequence or set piece from the video game. And so there is a reference point for it. And then we had to go through the process of just figuring out how do you how do you do that? And we even at one point considered shooting some footage in, in midair, um, but the reality is that that whole thing was shot in a parking lot and is far less glamorous than uh, it would appear. But, uh, you know, Tom tells it, and that's the joy of having a movie star who's actually just an incredible stuntman in his own right he's doing all those stunts himself you know hanging on for dear life um on these mechanical robotic arm boxes and uh i think being able to just feature him in a close-up as he's literally hanging on for dear life uh makes the sequence that much more exciting so it's a credit to his his uh prowess and athleticism that that uh we were able to to shoot that sequence he is quite marvelous, seriously. I, I was I was wondering, is he wearing a harness or is he not? Especially he, when he kind of walks sideways. Yeah, in um in in most of it, he's wearing a harness. Um because even though it was in a parking lot, we had those boxes stacked like a good 25, 30 feet off the ground because there was a bit of a, a vertical differential. Uh, from the first to the last box. And so he, he's on a, a wire and, and uh, is being you know, helped out uh, by the stunt guys. But we had an incredible second unit director, Scott Rogers, who um, his real superpower is rigging. And so in, in figuring out how to tackle that sequence, he figured out that instead of just having the boxes horizontal, which is what it looks like, in the movie, we actually stacked them vertically for a lot of those shots so that we could take advantage of gravity. And we just shifted the axis of the camera and the horizon line. So it looks more horizontal, but that way we're able to have it feel like the wind was working against Tom and that, you know, that there, there was um, momentum. And that was just a, you know, pretty basic um, old school approach, but it helped sell the reality of it in a, a really exciting way. Well, Ruben Fleischer, I think you've got a franchise starter here and a big one. 
It's a fun film. Wahlberg and Holland are fantastic in it. Their shorthand is hysterical. And everybody, go see Uncharted now. Thanks, Ruben. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Dominic. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate it. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. We say this every week, but we're sending it to you now. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode of us yakking. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. Take care. Happy holiday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.